I'm in your brain, gonna change the text of all your planes, making black men are like rain of filth. Don't get on your deck like my name is Wilt. I'ma get dressed up for Gaia's blessing. Jake's enchanted, iridescent, donate illusions full of grandeur. Remember when rebels are and standard? Pre modern, popping all these goblins, discarding lands to mox my diamonds, porting forests, swamps, and islands, accumulating all your knowledge. Decree of justice, slice and dice, wheel and deal some fire ice. Dark writ out, hypnotic specter, reckless ogre, nut collector. Check out all my circle sections, name a color, grants protection, vindicate. Wait for us, will. Make sure it's factory standing still. Withered wretch time, stress to rest. Lenoir, Cephalid, Empress. Lenoir, Els, and Raffalos. JM Day, Tom, Deathstroke, Choke, Provoke. Merchant, Scroll, Arcane, Denial. Bow for Defiled, Mary's Guile. Psycho, Togmar, Crocodile. Pestilence, Scorching, Messiah. Meditate and frantic search. Missing snake, panic, clouds, gate on earth. Squeeze, embrace, goblin, nabob. Angry mob, Master Cordo, Decapod. Voltaic, Key, Untapped, Colossus. Karns, unlike a Lee Alliance. Ancestral knowledge, Acromas, Vengeance. Natural balance, Mana, Severance. Words of Wisdom torn my script, slipstream eel can test eclipse. Goblin lackey, horn agreed, sandstone needle, need for speed. Metal worker, stalking stones, clone cyclone and throne of bone. Thrand and ammo, ancient tomb, fumor, roll gloom, sacred boon. Burden, force reanimate, greater good invigorate. Careful study, pyroblast, warship boil, smoking stacks. No rod, tinker, winter ore, forbidden lore, forbid absorb. Lay line, lifeline, this howling mind, pre modern hotness, slide of mine. Hey. Modern hotness light of mine. Your ammonism pre-modern up on this table in front of me. Right now. Right now. Pull out your pre-modern tech. We're swinging spells. Swinging some Phyrexian fucking dreadnought. Let's go. Hello and welcome to Eternal Dirtles. I'm your host, Zach Clark, and with me as always, Phil Blackman. Phil, how's it going, man? Yo, what's up, dude? You ready for round two? Let's do this again. We did. We recorded this yesterday, and uh, I didn't hit the record button, so we're doing it one more time. We're going to talk about all the cards we talked about uh, live yesterday. Uh, we're actually going to do the whole podcast all over again, just for you, just for you. So don't you know forget to like and subscribe. Yo, like and subscribe twice after you know it's actually surprising that given given how long we've been doing the podcast that this is the this is the first time i feel like that that's happened in a a, a meaningful a way where we were like oh we were really deep into it but you know now, now this I've hasn't happened on... since i we did an interview with eric virgo that was the last time that happened and like oh, i yeah, call we... him up like days later and be like we need to do this all over again you know we definitely need to get virgo back on the podcast that's for sure we do we do the, the only other time something as catastrophic as that happened was the time that my mic dropped out for you, for a time with you and Nate. And I went back and just said what I had said. Oh, like, that's right. I, I remember you I doing said. that. Yeah. 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 That, that's, <laughs> was that's insane. That that's, that's called fixing it in post. That's yeah. That's stuff. legit fixing in post. I wish I had my shirt from yesterday so I could say fix it in pre. That's a, yeah, that's a legit fix it in post situation. So that's anyhow, we're going to talk about the uh, Dominaria united spoilers spoiler spoilers again today before we get right into that i wanted to talk about uh i went to the eminent mtg uh event for uh command like a com uh competitive edh cdh uh tournament uh just to you know hang out with some friends and stuff and while i was there you know who i saw eric virgo no not eric virgo no i saw my buddy uh my buddy harry and, and my buddy mike as well but nice. uh we we all know harry from uh from moxfield oh we love moxfield we Let's love talk about moxfield. moxfield yeah moxfield uh is an amazing web website moxfield.com links are below to our uh our own pages and the show's page uh you can go to moxfield.com and it's a deck building website that is great for edh it's great for legacy you don't need an app it all works right from your browser on pc on mac it works on your Android phone. It works on your uh, iPhone. Amazing! You should be using this. You're gonna win. You're gonna win more matches. Also, it's great in EDH if you're one of those people who takes forever to tutor, and you can like have your list right up there and be like, "This is the card I need." But anyhow, go to Moxfield.com, sign in, create an account. It's free. This is the gold standard in deck building websites. Yeah, I agree. Some of the things that you're able to do in Moxfield are pretty insane. Like being able to sift through your cards by what they do by function 
is just so sick. Yeah, it's just I like I mean, it's using the full the full suite of Scryfall to figure out like how, how all that stuff works. So you're literally like, I just amazing. want to know all of the things that sacrifice a creature and the color that they're in, and you can just like sift them exactly into the. It's it's so good. Yep. All right. Well, let's start talking about Dominary United, which is out on what the ninth of next month. We're on the today is the thirty first. Yeah, I know it's out. It, yeah, it's out before like the next event that i'm going to go to is the legacy pit open on october 1st and i know that this set is legal for that yeah tournament so this there's going to be a a short window of testing with the new cards before yeah. a, a, a big major legacy tournament so so let's talk about cards that we think uh may see play in legacy and, and maybe some traps too uh but let's start with a lot uh, of traps by talking about sarah paragon it's it's two and two white for a three four flying angel it says once during each of your turns you may play a land from your graveyard or cast a permanent spell with mana value three or less from your graveyard if you do it gains when this permanent is put into a graveyard from the battlefield exile it and you gain two life so it's sort of doing like a a, a lutri thing yeah like the Luris, Luris thing. Luris, yeah it's 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 very similar text to Luris. but for sarah paragon i i do love me some angels i'm an angel guy i i like angels and i like sphinges which is the correct uh plural of sphinx uh sphinges or same thing for strix the proper uh you know what a uh, stringes a group of sphinxes is called a group of sphinges sphinges a group of sphinges (laughs) a riddle of sphinges you're correct oh yeah of course i know my come on man i know my sphinx i know my cryptozoology i I know it all man i'm i'm a primatologist all right what about about, uh oh yeah please talk about you you want to wait you want to test me on group names for mythical creatures one more one more do you know what a a unicorn is yeah constellation of unicorn bro it's it's a miracle of unicorns my guy ah (laughs) damn it (laughs) all right so let's let's actually talk about sarah paragon though uh so this is really close to what luris's text is which is why it's interesting i think that at uh, a four mana three four so it gets around bolt it gets around pyroblast it's like exactly the right stats to like carve where removal is right now yep. that isn't white although it is hard to hit with a prismatic ending the the issue that i see with sarah paragon and why i think it's going to be more fringy than anything else is that the benefit of Luris was one it was this is it was a mana cheaper yeah. two it, it's casting cost wasn't necessarily as restrictive even though it was uh hybrid orzov hybrid orzov hybrid mana is really closer to colorless mana than it is to restrictive mana right yeah so the and also the fact that like sarah paragon if you think about it in comparison to loris loris is the greatest creature of all time right like the fact that loris never took a draw step you always just had it you never had to spend a draw step drawing it where sarah paragon you do and it's more it's a mana more expensive the the claw the exile clause i think is the hindrance here i think like if you were able to just recur the same Mishra's bobble or whatever every turn the way that you could with Luris, then we'd be talking. The thing is, is that a lot of what Luris was doing was in like the Delver shell where it can rebuy the cheap creatures. A, a four mana three four is not where your like cheap one mana threats dot deck is going to be reaching for a critical creature, right? A critical value creature. Exactly. So Luris was extremely into incidental, right? Companion just lets you have it. And it didn't cost you anything. Whereas Sarah Paragon, like there are some restrictions in there. I don't. Know, I I think like I'm gonna test it. I'm gonna see if it if it's worth playing. Because I mean, if it if it goes unchecked, it is just recursion, uh, recursive of a fetch land every turn. Or if you are playing with cheaper permanents, I think that because it doesn't rebuy. If it rebuy anything that was mana value three or less, it would be a slam dunk. But because it's only permanents, you yeah. really have to think in mind what are you looking to rebuy unless you are just trying to grind. And if you're trying to grind, I think there are just better four drops to play. Exactly. Uh, I think one of the things we should discuss about this card is is what sort of decks we could see uh, it, it taking place in. So, like, I could see this being uh, a role player card, uh, maybe a one two of in, in like death and taxes because they're they have plenty of permanence to get back. Yeah, I think like if if you're in the market for playing a recursion creature in dnt you're probably just on extra extraction specialist is that what it's called i think so yeah. yeah that 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 three two is actually tutorable with all of your two with your yeah. with a recruiter and it's going to get back everything that you more or less want anyway like it can't be by solitude or whatever but neither can sarah paragon so it's like yeah. i think extraction specialist is just like the better target for doing the thing that it's doing because yeah. it's more efficient and it right. already has lifelink on the body. So it's like, and uh, DNT doesn't play fetch land. So you're not going to get, like, I don't think exactly. Sarah Paragon's anywhere close yeah. to DNT. But if, if it sees play anywhere, I think it'll be in like a blue, white X. Maybe of... uh, maybe uh, another piece in the, the uh, Just Guy control list that are that's yeah. floating around. I mean, the the more that we talk about it, the more I'm finding myself off of it, particularly after we discussed it yesterday. <laughs> Since we discussed it for like 20 minutes yesterday. I, 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 I was high on talking about it yesterday and then 
now that we've had time to sit on and reflect on like what we talked about and the shells that I can go in, it just seems too fringy. But like, if it shows up, like if, if somebody casts it against me, I'm not going to be shocked. Like yeah, it is a strong surprised. creature, but I don't think it's going to be rearranging any, or I, I don't think it's efficient enough to solve the problems for the decks that are looking for something like this. All right. Well, let's talk about Shildred, the Apocalypse, which is a four mana, four five. That's two and two black for a death touch creature that says whenever you draw a card you gain two life whenever your opponent draws a card they lose two life now yesterday we were talking about how this could be uh the finishing piece of a combo sort of the the uh part that enables like you to do the just guys the just guy undoing part but like not using the just guy part obviously um yeah to, to yeah, do like I, 14 damage to an opponent i i liked the idea that if there was if, if this sees play at all it's not going to be for the fact that it's a four or five body it's going to be for the fact that it's a combo piece yeah and so the idea that i remember when when echo of eons first came out and everybody was like holy shit like led echo is going to be nutter butters and then people were playing it obviously they found they immediately paired it with narset or leovold and then we're looking for ways to actually combo kill i mean that's effectively a game win anyway but the it moved more towards a mid-range deck that eventually just became the jeskai days and doing planeswalker control deck with an incidental days and doing finish yeah where i think that if anybody is going to play with shieldred it's going to be in a, a, a combo wheel deck so like a days on doing echo of eons you know combo deck where you can power out shieldred through things like dark rituals so you could just play a faster combo yeah and it also being in black gives you entomb so you can entomb your echo so you can sort of get combos that way it, and the, the four or five just incidentally will also give you a backdoor beatdown plan in that it is a pretty fast clock considering that it's whenever your opponent draws a card you gain two life and then when you draw cards you can check their combat steps yeah. so it's an eight point life swing every turn right like that's it's not nothing it's not nothing. There is something to 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 be to to like there, particularly if you're already if you're interested in playing like a blue black combo deck that already is interested in fast mana and ancient tombs, the way that Echo Ovions yep. or uh, Days and Doing and now this would be that you can really lean into that that axis of like you are you are getting fa ahead on mana and then you have a bunch of ways to reload because you're a bunch of wheels in your deck. A, a, a final note on this card also is if your opponent has to dig to kill it, they're ostensibly they're taking dead. like six yeah, damage. They just you know? died. Like yeah. that's, it's not, that's no good for them. So if they have to cast Brainstorm or Ponder, you know, that's a lot. That's a lot to just like get rid of, get rid of a guy. Basically has like Ward six life, you know? I think that like the, the, the combination between Hull Breacher, Narset, Echo, days and doing shield dread if you're just in blue black cards and you already have the disruption like granted you you're normally discard does not is not really effective when you're wheeling but in this case you just want to wheel once and end the game so like clearing yeah. the way with discard spells and also clearing the way to like make sure that they don't have removal for your creatures when you combo off i could see that doing stuff because you get both the disruption element of discard the protective elements of blue cards and then all of your creatures do like disrupt the format in meaningful ways because this yeah. is a format about drawing cards. So that's the only shell I can realistically think of Shield Dread appearing in. Everything else I think would be too cute, given that this idea is already pretty cute. You know? Yeah, it's pretty cute. Uh, so let's let's move on to a card I don't want to talk about for too long. It's Stronghold Arena. This is a two man enchantment, one in a black that has kicker green or a green and or white. Uh, if you kick it, you gain three life for each time it was kicked. Um, and then it says, whenever one or more creatures you control dealt combat damage to a player, you may reveal the top card of your deck and put it into your hand. If you do, you lose life equal to the mana cost. This card looked a lot better to me yesterday when I thought that it was just Dark Confidant every turn. But it's not. It has to connect. So you really have to build around this and it's... ninjas going and stuff. And we were discussing the, the ninja situation where in that ninjas actually cost a lot of mana sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> you're cheating those in off of the ninjutsu ability. So that can really be a, a problem with this card as well. This is also not a type of, like this is not a card that you would see in a ninja shell because it doesn't actually enable ninjas and ninjas already exactly. do what it does, which is draw cards. Like they do, the idea, yeah, they... I, I don't think this is this is good enough to see play. It's a, it's a, uh, a, a, context, a contextual dark confidant that's not guaranteed to hit because removal yeah. can just stop this from doing anything this like this is a on dead an draw board, if you just draw it you know yeah it does nothing yeah so i i think that the only world that this exists in is if you have to have a, enough one drops that you would go one drop play a one drop play this 
attack, dark confidant on trigger, and now you're up a card. But I can't think of any deck that's doing that where they're not that's just not playing Merfolk. expressive iteration. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're, they're just playing like if you wanted yeah. an effect like this, you're just going to play expressive iteration and do it better, right? And like yeah. the fact that it's a it's kicker green white, there is no Obzon deck in the format, and there's not going to be anytime soon. Yeah. So this would have been interesting if it was uh, if it was in colors that uh, Infect would have played. We're going to talk about Infect a whole bunch later. Um, but let's talk about the Defilers. Yeah, I think that the Defilers are pretty straightforward. Like, it's the same thing. They turn all the permanents, uh, colored mana into Phyrexian mana. And yeah. if they show up at all, they're just going to be combo pieces. Nobody's yeah. going to be doing anything fair with this stuff. It's just straight up like, if you see it, don't be surprised. It's just part of a combo. It's not anything particularly special about them. I think uh, the, the one thing I wanted to say about uh, about these is I think the blue and the green ones are easily the the most powerful just off their second abilities like drawing a card anytime you cast a blue permanent which is not exactly a legacy thing and then the pumping your entire team it's just so much better than like deal a point of damage or like a creature gets plus one plus one and gains menace or like make a soldier you know the trick is with defile like defiler is pretty easy right you just play defiler plus any of those one mana uh blue creatures that bounce a creature and so you just play it bounce itself and so if just you cards, have a yeah yeah, if you have a way to not die to paying two life every time you cast it, you just draw your whole deck or draw yeah. some ex extreme number of cards or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, you could play like a Shrieking Drake or something. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's talk about the Lords. Uh, so we've got uh, a Soldier Lord, a Merfolk Lord, a Cleric Lord, a Goblin Lord, and an Elf Lord. So it's like two of these things don't belong, right? I mean, I can appreciate that they're going back to old Dominaria uh tribes between clerics and soldiers yeah it's just like those two are obviously the weakest because they just don't have as much support in terms of like all of the other tribes all are cohesive in usually what they do whereas clerics are just like kind of random all over the place and same thing with soldiers and it neither of their effects are all that great like sacrifice another cleric for five mana and you can search your library for a black creature and put it into play is what shadow right priest does as a yeah. second ability and it's just like, if you want to put Grizzlebrand into play, there's just cheaper and more effective ways to do it. You know, you're just not like, you're, you're probably doing something that's too cute if you're playing that. And then the Valiant Veteran is just like, even in Soldier Stompy, I don't even know how how decent that is because who cares, right? Yeah. Like, it's like, Soldier Stompy is just a prison deck that could, could have any threats at the top end. But the other three are bangers. Yeah, I mean, you've got goblins obviously being played a lot. Everybody okay. pretty much is clear that the that uh, Runveld Horde Master's gonna steer goblins into the next tier. Yeah. I think that I'm a, I'm I'm a little bit quieter on 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 Horde Master, not because I don't think it's good. It's objectively good. Like it's going to do exceptional things because uh, goblins is probably as close to aristocrats as we're gonna get in the format. Like it actually does a lot of things where it's sacrificing its own stuff for value. Yeah. And Horde Master just kind of accentuates that. And as a two mana lord to boot, the way that this is going to push goblins into the next tier. I think it will do, It will. it's obviously a power boost, right? It's just like a more effective way at doing what it's already good at. The thing is, is that it doesn't do anything for goblins that goblins wasn't already very efficient at doing. Like yeah. goblins has always been better at outcarding opponents, right? Like between uh, yeah. all of the, the tutors and ringmasters and like uh, ringleaders rather, goblins is very good at grinding yeah it, it can it, like given given enough time goblins is going to overwhelm uh you know your average your average legacy opponent like you can only cast goblin creature cards off of it if you exile something so i know that the deck has sort of been adopting fa uh fable of the mirror breaker like okay. there as it moves towards less got like fewer goblins horde master gets worse now is is horde master enough to push you back towards uh a, a leaner shell i would think so because if you can, if you just have a Skirk Prospector on the table and then just can start spamming cards off the top of your library, like there now we're talking, right? Yep. Now, now, particularly because you can get into um, uh, War Boss and then War Boss is just net, netting mana off of a, which we call off of a Skirk Prospector. And now we can start storming out and doing some shenanigans. Yep. But the fact that Horde Master doesn't solve any problems that Goblins has means that I don't think that Goblins is going to necessarily be any better in the format. Than it currently is. Now it may be a better version of itself. Maybe more popular but, too, just because there's you know there's renewed yeah. interest. Like it, it may be able to rebuild. It may like do things. It, it's going to make goblins better at what it already does. But since it's not plugging any holes that goblins currently has, I don't think it's going to suddenly make the deck a tier one tribal deck. Now it's funny you should say that because uh, elves can already draw an, an intense amount of cards. But I think that this particular elf 
Uh, again, I don't think it ups in a tier, but I think this particular elf is going to see play, mostly because that, that pay one to draw a card uh, on every elf you have, you can get to a point where you have, uh, what's the one that taps taps three elves and tap it and makes three mana? Oh, Heritage Druid? Yeah, so Heritage Druid. So you can start putting these down and really, like, it's it's, it's like it's a mini glimpse of nature on, on these guys. I, it gives every single elf you have kicker for green to draw a card. Yeah. Now, I, I think that, like, this is easily, uh, uh, people are definitely going to try it at least as a one of starting out because it's just a green sun Zena target. It's pretty easy. Yeah. I think that, like, where Goblin or where Goblin, where Elves has gone recently, where it's moved over to be much more grindy and almost away from Elves to be closer to like a BG rock deck that just happens to have a natural order finish, Elite Crown Visionary might move Elves back towards being very good at comboing people out faster. Yeah. Because now between. Glimpse and Leaf Crown Visionary, plus all of the the cards that can generate mana. Like uh, w- once you get Heritage Druid Net- Nettle Sentinel, this just gives every elf, like every one mana elf, is going to net a green mana off of Heritage Druid with a pair of Nettle Sentinels out, and then you're just going to draw your library. Yeah. So the fact that now you could play theoretically eight like eight functional Glimpse of Natures in your combo elf deck, I think means that between uh, Heritage Druid and uh, Gaia's Cradle, you're just looking to really kill people fast like i think i think leaf crown might open up the the avenue in the other way where elvis has gotten more grindy recently i think this is going to move it could move it towards another build that's just extremely all in on trying to combo fast and then vidalian uh hex catcher being able to give every one of your creatures sacrifice for uh, days basically all non-creature spells like that's not just curse catcher that's like curse catcher plus on every Mm -hmm. one of your guys and I think, like we were saying yesterday, uh, going with Tide Shaper and maybe, uh, you know, uh, Rashid and Dockhand and like a lower to the ground deck and then just having like, you know, something like 16 Lords on top of that because you've got, you know, in their two mana Lords, you've got uh, Lord of Atlantis, Master of the Pearl Trident, uh, the uh, the clone, the Phantasmal Image, and this. Those are all two mana Lords. You were, as you were saying yesterday, you can eschew all the three drops in your deck and decide if you want to play uh, Trinity Nemesis or not. But this gives a lot, a lot of utility to a lot of your guys. Uh, a problem with Merfolk right now is that when Merfolk was really good years and years and years and years ago, when you and I were but we lads, they could pump out some of the largest creatures in tandem with each other, right? Yeah. When they pumped each other. They were some of the biggest creatures. The problem is that even when you have multiple lords out you're still never going to be the biggest creature anymore. Before, the biggest thing that you had to deal with was Tarmogoyf, and Tarmogoyf was always in blue deck, so you never really had to interact with it in combat. Correct. Nowadays, even if you have three lords, you're not going to put a faster clock than Merktide is. Even with oh. three lords, you're not... Even with three... <laughs> with three lords? I mean, you're looking at you're looking at uh, three four fours. That is definitely bigger than a, than a Merktide. It's bigger, but it's dependent on it not getting broken up. You have to have them all. It means that you've spent three cards to just put power into play. Correct. And that's yeah. like that you're not interacting with your opponent that gets to that does get to interact with you. I think what Hex Mage does is by turning all of your uh creatures into curse catchers, that it makes it so you can really play a more interactive game plan. So between Tide Shaper and Curse Catcher and Rashad and Dakion, those are three one drops that each interact with your opponents in meaningful ways. Curse Catcher obviously uh, is uh, the Force Spike ability. Tide Shaper messes up their colors. And then Dockhand can tap down other colors. And so you really have an interesting color denial package. You can really stop people that way, yeah. Yeah, and so the fact that you have this, uh, those creatures on one, then you have Voltaren Hex Hex Catcher on two as another way to disrupt your opponent. Silvergilla add up to go up cards. I think that the deck should honestly move away from the lords i think that there are better merfolk to be playing that are more interactive yeah and if you are disrupting your opponent and then getting in for like chip damage as you go along that's gonna go that's gonna do more work than having you know a two mana four four which is just like a two mana four four if it was just blank it's just not good enough right and if you fill your deck with nothing but two mana four fours you're just gonna get stomped by like stuff that is just outclassed it like they've just been power creeped out and I think that if 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 Merfolk is to evolve the way that other decks have evolved, if you look at the other decks, Elves has gone through multiple iterations, but it also happens to have 
all of the powerful effects that blue do that that merfolk doesn't get right like between glints and natural order it just has free kills uh goblins has gotten significant upgrades between muxus between black cards uh that have uh that it's gained access to that do interact right like the 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 blue black flash threat that can kill creatures or planeswalkers muxus is an auto win when it hits the table uh uh you can burn people out without moving into combat with siege gang lieutenant like hexcatcher is the biggest upgrade and i think that it it, it should just be inspiration for Mo merfolk to evolve the same way that the other decks have now the other decks have evolved not necessarily because of innovations although the new uh like more grindy elves is is pretty innovative but they've all gotten tools that they've just adopted and then that's just made them go in the direction that they've gone whereas yeah. The only things that Merfolk has adopted is like, okay, you got TNN because that was easy. And then you got Svelin and Svelin is just not good in a format where Source of Plowshares is powerful because Indestructible just isn't as good. And a three mana three, four is also way below rate, even if it does have good abilities, but it's also slow. And I think that if, if Merfolk is going to evolve and actually step up to the times, it's got to be more interactive. And Hexcatcher is the first, is a really big step in that direction. And I think stuff like Trickster and stuff that that just goes up more, uh, gives you more card advantage or stuff that lets you pick up your, uh, pick up those sort of tricky cards. I think that's really the space that Merfolk should go if they actually want to compete because you can't just slam threats and hope that it's good enough anymore. It's, you're, it's just too slow. Time will tell. I think you can. Uh, but I want to get into that into that argument uh, on this episode because we've got so many more cards to check out. Let's talk about Leyline Binding. Uh, this is a six mana enchantment that has flash and domain. It costs one less for each basic land type you have in play, and it's a it's it's an O ring. It's an O ring, and like you and I had discussed previously, the type of decks that would play this is pretty much a single kind of deck. And yeah. it's a deck that starts at their a mana base of Volcanic Island Savannah or yeah, Underground Yeah, a pile sea. deck, yeah. It's definitely just got to be a pile deck. This is going to show up. If this shows up, it'll be in a deck that has horrendous mana. Yeah. So unless we're in a space, uh, unless there's something that we just don't see, I can't imagine. Like, this is only good if you get it to be better than Prismatic Ending. And at two mana, at flash speed, it's better than Prismatic Ending, yeah. right? Anything less than that, and it it's, or anything more than that, rather, and it's not playable. So you have to be another, starting at, un, you know. Another thing worth mentioning is that this cannot get hit by Prismatic Ending, which is which is worth mentioning. It's a big deal. Yeah, it, it catches all the things that Prismatic Ending doesn't. Like, this card is good, but it's only good in a very specific kind of deck that's just going to get fucking wrecked by Wasteland. So, you know, pick your spots. But, like, when you see this, if, it, if this ever sees play, don't be surprised. It's just an O-ring. It's a good O-ring. But it's it's going to be limited to exactly, like, badly of old decks. Let's talk about our our boy, the Raven Man. Uh, the Raven uh, Man is a 2-1 uh, for two. That's one and a black. Uh, legendary Human Wizard. Uh, at the beginning of each end step, if a player discarded a card this turn, create a 1-1 one, one black bird token uh, that can't block. And then it has an activated ability of tap it. And, sorry, the, the uh, Raven Man has an activated ability of tap it uh, with three and a black and each opponent discards a card activate as a sorcery that's flavor text the the real ability here is that you can get a one one bird every time you discard a card i mean it's yeah. whenever a player discards a card but i imagine that you're just going to enable it you know it's like play raven man cycle a street wave make a one one like yeah that's that's incremental and it's probably not strong enough but like it is powerful in that like if you just have a bunch of ways to discard that you're just going to generate value off of them every turn and it's at the beginning of each end step so it can only it will only trigger once but it uh will trigger it's once each reset, each... like it's each right. turn cycle yeah. you can do it twice you know and so, i think uh something we had thought of yesterday and a card i just missed but we're going to go back to is braids uh artisan nightmare or sorry or a Risen Nightmare. Uh, I like Artisan, a, though. A 3-3 three, three, uh, for one and two black. And it says, at the beginning of your end step, you may sacrifice an artifact, creature, enchantment, land, or planeswalker. If you do, each opponent may sacrifice a permanent that shares a card type with it. For each opponent who doesn't, they lose two life and you draw a card. So that works really well with Raven Man if you're doing the thing, you know? Yeah, you got to be doing the thing. I, I I think that like Braids of Risen Nightmare is is it's it's its own facet. I think it's Braids is kind of confined to just like bad tier three decks, but it is doing something that is reasonably powerful. The it, it is in fast mana color, and I think that like the way to actually read Braids and Legacy is at the beginning of your end step, you may sacrifice an artifact, creature, enchantment, land, or planeswalker. If you do. Your uh, target player loses two life and you draw a card. Like your opponent's never going to sacrifice something uh, 
unless it's it's incidental for them like unless it's yeah. free for them and doesn't actually affect them yeah they're for gonna, two life unless they're at two life they're going to keep they're going to keep their merc tide in play right yeah yeah so it's like if 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 you have ways and, and it's like if you're clearing their board that's fine like if that's a removal spell it's fine right yeah but like otherwise this is a three mana three three that's going to be a sacrifice a, a sacrifice outlet essentially because it's a free yeah. sack outlet even though it's only during your end step that also goes up cards but i, I think that braids has more life than it may seem in legacy because if you can get that kind of engine going having your own personal howling mind that's draining outside of combat for a deck yeah. that if you're if you're sacrificing creatures and that's part of your engine you're probably chip damaging them a bunch incidentally anyway yeah. and this feels like it's in that type of space where a deck that's trying to get that kind of grind going like i feel like if nate were here this would be a card that would be on yeah, Nate's radar of course for sure, right? yeah 100 for, for stuff that he likes to do i i, I think that braids does have uh, have some amount of legs. Like it is a really powerful ability. It's just that there isn't a deck that is competitively viable yeah. outside of FNM that would want this. But for those kinds of decks that like that kind of play style, this is a slam dunk for them. Back to the Raven Man. I think the Raven Man is going to be only powerful enough if you actually can leverage getting two birds a turn. If you have an outlet, if you have a sacrifice outlet that doesn't cost you any cards that you can discard on your turn and your opponent's turn as a means to make two birds every turn, now we're talking like once you're making two one one flyers a turn it, like if you're just lingering souls every turn cycle the, the decks that have trouble with that are going to have a lot of trouble with that yeah and i i think that that's where this kind of the, especially the power if level you're getting like that you kind of value off of like a lingering souls per se you know like on oh top yeah of yeah it, I, know, I mean you're, it's, you're it's like, obviously going to discard into that on purpose so you're going to be using cards that make that work yeah yeah i, I mean the, the fact that this the the stuff that this wants to do could also already protect it you know like discard spells are already something to protect this kind of threat that's very uh fragile i mean if i imagine that this would be a very low to the ground interactive deck that's looking for an engine and you know i mean we we thought about like cookbook with overchase daredevil and as more nomartica as a means to like uh because we were like oh street wraith what decks want street wraith and then if you're already you know you're not in death shadow because death shadow isn't trying to grind the same way that raven man is no, but no, as no. mora is so it's like okay maybe there's maybe that's something that you'd be interested in playing do i think raven man's going to show up no would it be awesome if it did fuck yeah it would why it because would. because we know who raven man is so oh we sure for you. we we sure do it, uh, so cool. I, I, I it's, it turns out turns out it is not nicobolus ah uh. Anyhow, let's talk about Temporary Lockdown, which is a three-man enchantment that says when it enters the battlefield, exile each zone land permanent uh, with mana value of two or less unless Temporary Lockdown leaves play. So it is a sort of a massive uh, board wipe for two or less. It's it's just a, a, a mass portable hole. Just yeah. portable holes, everything. I mean, we've already seen this type of effect be legacy playable. I mean, this is obviously legacy playable, but this is legacy playable in the same way that Hidetsugu, who consumed all is playable yeah. right we've already seen that that effect but this is in a different color this i mean double white is double white is no small feat but the fact that it's it, it gives access to control decks that aren't uh grixis this type of effect is really valuable at cleaning up shit like you know construct tokens and if you've ever fallen behind it's just a three mana raft I, I i think that this will also be very good because the decks that you wanted against don't have easy times removing enchantments now if you're playing it again and particularly if you play it against decks that do, like let's say eight, you're playing against eight cast and they have an Ottawara and can bounce it. Well, you've already swept up the constructs, right? That's the point of this thing. So you already yeah. have gotten the value there. And then if you're playing it against something like DNT, and then at some point they are able to remove it, then you're going to reset. You would reset their Aether Vials. You would their their uh, Mother of Runes would be summoning sick. This this would have cleaned up a bunch of things. And then against something like Delver, it's like if you fall behind, this can clean up all of the threats that aren't Murktide and uh doesn't get pyroblasted and they're never removing an enchantment so it, it has a bunch of crossover it's not doing anything fantastic but it's doing what a deck like a, what a control deck would want from a spell like this against a wide range of the playable matchups and so i think this is so far like this card is 100 a slam dunk this one will definitely see legacy play it's just a matter of like in how many numbers and if it will ever crack main decks all right, so let's talk about the next card that looks playable, uh, Squee, Dubious Monarch. That is a three mana two two with haste. Um, when Squee attacks, you put a plus one plus one goblin creature that's in play, tapped and attacking, and then basically Squee has uh, escape for four mana and four cards. 
Yeah, I wish they would just use escape, obviously. <laughs> like that's the biggest my biggest pet peeve is Watsi just not using mechanics that they already have. And you know, they're like, well, you know, players won't understand if it's not part of the set. We don't want to confuse them. We're gonna yeah. talk about a Johnny later, and a Johnny's got completed on it as the only yeah. card in the set that has completed. So it, it it's just a bunch of hypocrisy when they're like, Yeah, we don't want to use certain things. We do we don't want to use mechanics we've already had because it will be confusing. Every single card is a fucking novel. What do you mean you don't want yeah, to confuse players? Literally anyway. Some of them that, you that, can even read ahead on. My, my biggest pet peeve is that uh, particularly they have cards that care about like specific keywords happening. The biggest one being surveil. They have surveil in literally every set these days, but they don't write surveil, even yeah. though it's functionally the same effect. And then there are cards that trigger off of surveil happening. Yep. So the like, like to deprive those types of cards that those cards are, those types of cards are extremely incidental. But if you had enough enablers, like playable surveil cards that you'd want anyway, maybe people would consider them to be role players. Yeah. And we just never got the opportunity because Watsi has this weird thing where they're just like, yeah, we can't use mechanics that we've made. Anyway, yeah. back to Squee. Squee, I think, is also a slam dunk. It'll definitely see play at least as one of in Goblins. I think it could also see uh, as additional... Yeah, the Stompy uh, decks. Additional Stompy... Uh, 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 your goblin decks, yeah additional goblin rabble masters in those types of decks like it, the, all of the text on this is good it gives you value when it comes in it gives you value going long it's great to discard everything about this card seems uh seems awesome to me and it will definitely see play yeah all right let's talk about founding the third path founding the third path is a saga for one in a blue and it has read ahead the read ahead it lets you go to any part of the saga and it says you may cast an instant or sorcery card, uh, sorcery spell, with mana one or two value from your hand without paying its mana cost when you cast it. Um, and then uh, two is target player mills four cards. And three is exile an instant or sorcery card from your graveyard, copy it, you may cast that copy. So just to be clear, it's, it's similar to like how Urza Saga specifically says zero or one. This thing specifically says mana value one or two, not one, two, or less. You cannot yeah. activate your ancestral visions or yeah. cast your ancestral visions off of this. That, that's not part of this thing. Th this is a, a, a cool card in that trying to figure out how to leverage all aspects of it is interesting. The first and third are pretty easy to identify, right? You want to cast a good spell. You want to flashback to a good spell. Yeah. I mean, the target player that mills is probably going to be you in Legacy, right? That's right. And now figuring out <laughs> the, the figuring out the way to leverage that is really the the big deal. I mean, I also like that. Like, there are incidental things. Like, it gives me flashbacks to like when you would play Liliana the last hope in your deck, and you'd brainstorm or ponder, and then clear the two cards that you don't want. Using yeah, the, sure. The, you know, I mean, that, that like you do. You have incidental stuff like that. I think that like this, it, a, a card like this would want to be in a deck that's trying to grind. And, you know, you obviously have Uro in that space and that's all well and good. I think that the the easiest home, like the, the first and foremost home that this sticks out to me in would be in any type of Grixis control shell. Because if you're playing it for the first ability, you want to maximize the, the, the mana that is generating for you, right? Like yeah. if you play it for two mana, you want to get two mana worth of, of ability and the most powerful two mana instant and sorceries right I, I i that you can play really i think are obviously expressive iteration and him to tarak and yeah. in those types of grixis shells that are like sort of grindy the biggest problem that those decks always have had is that their mana fucking sucks it's yes, just awful it's not great yeah like trying to find double black early through wasteland while also to to, to fire off your him to tarak is awful but founding of the third path sort of fixes that problem because now you can fetch basics you know like let's say you're in a you're, you would be in a baleful strix deck or whatever you can fetch island swamp play founding of the third pass cast him to him to turok now they know that suspend two turns later they're going to get hemmed again that's going to change their behavior that's going to change how they play likewise if you play this and then you have a, like later in the game and you have an expressive like i'm sure like obviously okay you, if you have it all rolled up cool but Knowing that you're going to get that spell flashback later means that they are going to want to deal with this because otherwise it's going to generate additional value, assuming yeah. that it has already generated some amount of value. Like if you play this and it cleans up your mana to him them early, and then they use a card to trade with this, then it is just a it, it you are at parity, but whatever it it flash gave you the plus one, which is what the rest of your deck is built on. Is that good enough? I don't know. Yeah. But it is solving a problem that a deck has, right? The, yeah. the Grixis raw card control deck, the mana sucks. And founding of the third path can make the mana a little bit easier for you. So it's it's possible to me that it, it would slot in there. But we'll see if that's a reasonable thing to be doing in today's legacy. Speaking of making the mana easier, we're going to go down to Joint Exploration. This is an instant for one in the blue. It has kicker green. And it says, scry two, then draw a card. 
if uh spell if the spell's kicked, you can put a land to play from your bat uh a land into the battlefield from your hand. Yeah, so this is just preordained plus uh an exploration effect. Yeah. But it's at instant speed. I, 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 the only home that I can think of this in is ve is very specifically for me. Like yeah. I am the guy that wants to draw cards at instant speed to hit my miracles, but then also I want to offset land drop so I can play thwart. So like the idea of being able to play a, effectively a rampant. This is growth spiral that gives yeah, you selection. It's a growth right? spiral that that basically gives you selection. Yeah, it's a growth spiral that gives you that that has scry two tacked onto it. Yeah. and uh, but it doesn't require green. Like you can just play this as an instant speed preordain if you wanted to. Exactly. I I like the effect. It's incidental. Is it going to be a, a mainstay in anything other than a specifically thing that I want to play? Probably not. But it. Both effects are good. Both effects have shown that they are legacy playable effects and stamping them together at instant speed. Uh, it's interesting to me. I think that like, if this one showed up, I wouldn't be surprised, but it's not like it's going to open up a new deck. It's just going to be a role player. All right. Uh, so let's go down to the gold cards. Uh, let's start with a Johnny Sleeper Agent, which is a completed Planeswalker that has a four loyalty. It is uh, castable for one, a green Selesnia Phyrexian, and then a white. So you can cast it for three or you can cast it for four. If you cast it for three and two life, it, it's a two uh, loyalty. Otherwise, it's four loyalty. Um, it's plus one is look at the uh, top card of your deck. If it's a creature or a planeswalker, put it into your hand. The uh, negative three is distribute three plus one plus one counters on up to three creatures. They gain vigilance until end of turn. And then the uh, negative six, it's ultimate, is you get an emblem that says whenever you cast a planeswalker or a creature, uh, an opponent gets target opponent gets two poison counters. Um, this at first glance doesn't seem great, but we were talking about this in the context of Infect, and it actually has some legs in Infect because I had been previously playing White and Infect to play uh, Tefri Time Raveler, um, and this this is kind of uh, this is an interesting card because it gets you the creatures you're looking for in your deck. Uh, the plus the minus three is very relevant and and obviously if you get to that that late game where you actually do end up uh ultimating this uh you're just putting inevitability on the board like these are cast triggers these are not successfully cast triggers if you're just slamming uh, like casting dudes your opponent might be dead the number of times that i've been very close to winning a uh, legacy match because my opponent was able to just lock me out of the game from attacking but he had like nine or eight uh infect is huge. So I think this card actually has some, some legs for Infect. Yeah, when we were talking about this yesterday, like I came in thinking that like, whatever, it's just an Ajani like Planeswalker. It's not going to be very good. And then the more and more we talked about it, the more and more I was like, oh no, this seems like a slam dunk for Infect. But between... No it's ball, it's every 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 piece of text on this card is relevant for infect. Every piece of text is relevant, and the fact that you are a noble hierarch deck means that the, you can look at this as really a two drop planeswalker, right? Because yeah. if you lead with noble hierarch, you can cast this on two, potentially go up a card. But even if you don't, now like when you like even if you miss, it gives you the scry. Like you, if if you don't put it into your hand, you can choose to put it on the bottom of your library, which isn't yes. nothing when you're trying to put a, when you're trying to assemble a combination of cards. The the other uh, fact is that. Because Noble Hierarch is actually in the colors that this wants to be in anyway, you're not going to necessarily be hard pressed for white mana, and the deck was already splashing white anyway, so it's not it's it's not too bad. the 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 thing that I, I think that we we didn't discuss, obviously, pumping your creatures is great. Obviously, the emblem is great because that's that's how you're doing it. But the fact that it can give your opponent poison counters outside of combat is a whole other access that huge. Infect huge. has never had in Legacy. Let's not mention, that, that not mention the fact that this also basically scries each turn, too. Because right. it's a may, that, yeah. you may put it on the bottom of your library. If it's a if it's a pump spell and you don't need a pump spell at, the, at that time, you can put that on the bottom and maybe you'll draw a uh, you, you'll draw a guy next turn, you know? And the thing is that if it is a pump spell and that's what you do want, you can leave it there. Yeah. Um, I think the I, other I, thing I wanted to mention about this card is something uh, that we talked about before that uh, I kind of uh, clued Phil into is it messes with timing. Um, and, and in fact, that's huge because you are a, basically a timing deck. It's all about using these tricks at the right time to bait your opponent into doing the wrong thing. So if you put out an ink moth nexus and your opponent is like okay that's fine then you activate it and then you negative three this to put three counters on an ink moth nexus your opponent's going to be like well i gotta bolt that now if they bolt that now and then you uh use that you didn't spend any mana yet aside from you know activating the ink moth nexus 
uh, and then you uh, invigorate your uh, Ink Moth Nexus, you now have a 7-7, seven, seven, uh, sorry, an 8-8 eight, eight Ink Moth Nexus that your opponent just tried to react to and failed. That's huge. You still have mana left over. Yeah, I, I, I uh, obviously I agree with the the timing. I mean, you you had played in fact, so you were cluing me into how how navigating and compelling your opponent to act is really important. Making them act your before spells. combat is just so huge, especially yeah, yeah. if you have reactions to it, because that means that one, let's say you do negative three this and you don't have the pump spell, then you're not wasting any cards from your hand. One, mm -hmm. you know. Like you're not trying to like bait your opponent. Like if you're not able to stop that, your opponent still still had to waste a card on your guy one way or the other. That's that's you're at parity right there, right? Yeah. But if you get to a point where you're making your opponent make bad decisions, or worst case scenario, they try to they try to bolt your guy and take eight infect, that's insane. It's insane, yeah. And the thing is too is that like there are spots in infect where. There already seemed like every infect deck that I every list that I looked at was was playing like some weird things like they were playing like additional pump spells or they were playing that landfall artifact equipment or they were playing like some sylvan libraries or something like there seems to be some flexible slots in the main deck already yeah that a Johnny could tons. slot right into yeah, yeah. the the other thing that I I think is really noticeable about the card that like it, I mean to me it's noticeable because I usually am playing decks that like to go late but we're talking about how this is good. If you have a noble hierarch on turn two, because you can just play it on your second turn and plus it, and now you have a three mana, uh, you have a walker on three that has a potentially uh, is just going to draw a card every turn potentially, or just be its own pump spell. But if you let's say they you they've interacted with you, grind you down, and you have uh, you know a bunch of lands in play, but you don't have any threats, and then you draw a Johnny, you can also cast a Johnny for four plus it, and now it's at five, and ultimate's at six. Yeah. Like the, yeah, the, the, that's the, that's ridiculous. The ultimate is fast, and particularly like it's this is. I think that the reason why this card is going to be really strong in Infect is that it is both good early because of Noble Hierarch, but then it's even better late. Like it's not like it's the same at all points in the game. Yeah, it's it's this card it is, scales scales with how you're doing in the, the game. The, you know the, the scale in the late game with the the trajectory that Infect wants to play. Like ideally, they're dead before you need a Johnny, right? But if they have, but the fact that it's not dead early because of Noble Hierarch makes it that it's going to be good early and it's going to be very good late. Because if you are just at a stage where you have four or five lands in play off of like you know three lands and a couple of Ink Moth Nexuses or whatever, and they have a Wasteland or whatever, and you don't want to fire off your Ink Moth Nexus and you just cast this. Again, this card can beat them through combat. And now you yeah. can think about sandbagging. Like, you can just, like, keep them off of removals. Like, if they have removal spells, like, if you're just checked out, you can another just play thing, this. Another thing to think about is that th this adds yet another angle that your opponent has to deal with. And that means they might have to use their lightning bolt on this and not your guy. So it, th there's just a lot here that, like, that you're able to, that you're able to negotiate uh, a game with. Uh, that Infect players really never had access to before. And if you're playing against, like, all of the spells that are playable in Legacy right now that would remove a Planeswalker like a Johnny, Lightning Bolt, Prismatic Ending, those cards are all cards that they have to point at your creatures. Yeah. They have to point them at your creatures, otherwise they die, and they yeah. die fast. So it, it, it just stresses your opponents, and of, of all of the cards that we've talked about, I get that a Johnny is only good for specifically one deck, and that's Infect. <laughs> that's it, but, yeah. but man, does it feel like it's going to be such a power-up to the point where I'm like, oh, maybe I want to like get these cards and like try Infect out as like an alternative when I'm feeling a little bit more right. aggressive, you know? Like, it, it just opens up so many new windows. The same way that we were talking about how, or at least I was talking about how the Horde Master doesn't help goblins in a meaningful way that they aren't already good at. Yeah, I think a Johnny is on the this opposite, the end, opposite of the end of that. Yeah, this exactly. Says, this gives this gives Infect a whole new path of action that it didn't have access to before. In really, both in terms of card advantage and in terms of being able to kill your opponent outside of combat, I, I think a Johnny might be the best card for any Legacy deck in, in this the set. set. Yeah, I agree. Even though even though Infect has and is totally. It's fallen so out of funny the how how like how twenty four hours ago you were like, I don't know why we're talking about this card. And now it's like, oh my God, right? Yeah, it, it really was. Like I, I came to, <laughs> our, when we first recorded, I came to it not thinking, I didn't really think too deeply about a Johnny. And then as we were talking about it, I was like, oh fuck, it's good here. Oh fuck, it's good here. Oh shit, it's good there. Like everything about it is just like, all of the abilities are relevant. The casting cost on both ends, both cheaper and more expensive, are relevant. It's a three mana walker. If you, you can has turn kicker, yeah. that, that you can turn, it's a three mana walker that has kicker for an additional Selesnia mana. That if you kick it, it gets plus two loyalty. You know, like everything about this card is just absolute, an absolute fucking home run for 
Infect. And uh, like, I- I'm the, I-, I had lost more games to Infect than any other person on this planet. <laughs> <laughs> and I am excited that they're getting this yeah. card, right? Like, it, it, I think this is great. I think it's great. All right, great. let's let's move on from Ajani and talk about uh, Miria, Scholar of Antiquity. This is a three-three for one, a red and a green. And it says tap an untapped non-token artifact creature, uh, artifact you control, uh, to add a green, or tap two non-token artifacts you control to exile the top card of your library. You can play it this turn. You know, this card. It. it, it I mean. Obviously, these effects are like exceptional, right? But they they yeah. are exceptional in in a, in a combo deck similar to what like Riddle Smith construct containment construct yeah. are doing, where it just wants all of the zeros and then it just wants to spam through its whole fucking library, right? Like it just wants to go off. Yeah, and it's in color. It's it's in, in a colors color that don't that, normally do this, right? They don't yeah. normally do this. So I think the color restrictions are really the the biggest problem. But I mean, you're going to be playing it in a deck with Box Opal. Yeah. You're going to have fast mana anyway. I I, I think that the the place where this would be tough is the decks normally that are playing all of these kinds of zero mana artifacts to try and combo off are also playing ancient tomb mm-hmm. and myria yeah. does not work with ancient tomb all that well it's true so it, it's possible that stemming off of the tree of like the bobbles plus mox opal plus lotus petal dot combo deck like zero mana combo deck yeah. that like folds to chalice or whatever i think this is just going to be like another addition to that family tree of of that style of deck where you can move over and then you get things like ancient stirrings in green and access to good green sideboard cards. Like, I think that this might just make us explore what other options there are for green things that care about artifacts because tapping two non-token artifacts to exile the top card of your library and play it, you can play lands, you can play other cheap artifacts to continue storming off, essentially. I I mean, my my hopes are high for Myria. I think it's going to be more or less glass cannon, but I think it'll be... If, if, if it finds a home, it'll be just as good as Riddlesmith's Containment Construct, and that has proven to be a pretty reasonable combo deck in Legacy. So, okay, so next I want to talk about two cards that we can just touch on for like a half a second. Uh, one's Ivy Gleeful Spell Thief, which is a green and a blue, flying, 2-1. Whenever a player casts a spell that targets only a single creature other than Ivy Gleeful Spell Thief, you may copy that spell, the copy targets Ivy. So this is interesting for a, a couple reasons. Um, obviously, if you're, it, it's weird because it's not infect, so it would work good with an infect deck, but it doesn't have infect as a thing on it, so that doesn't really work. But also, when your opponents are casting spells to target their stuff, which doesn't happen that often, if there was a auras deck in the format, this would be great because it actually does copy the aura. Yeah, because a copy of an aura becomes a, a token. Or, I mean, that, that's the case cop- with yeah. any permanent. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, like, I feel like what this wants to be is just Infect, right? Like, that space right. is already sort of taken up by yeah. Infect. But, like, let's say you play a Spell Thief and then you, what's the, you become immense, right? Yeah. Yeah, like, theoretically, like it, yeah. this plus become immense should just be a kill, right? Yeah. But, like, that's or, like, the play pattern. You know, yeah. Yeah, like that's the play pattern that Infect already wants. I if we didn't have a Johnny in this set, I would say how Think likely it. is it yeah. that there's a possibility to play what is a, a, effectively an Infect deck without the Infect creatures, right? Because the 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 limiting factor of Infect is that the creatures suck, yeah. right? Well, like that, that that's honestly like <laughs> like like Glistener Elf and and what's the blue one? Glistener Elf and uh, Blight, Blighted Agent. Blighted Agent, like those cards are not good by themselves. They're only good because they have Infect, which is effectively Double Strike, but it's only Double Strike when it hits an opponent. So those cards are just bad. Like they are not good cards, but they are good when you build your entire deck around them. Yeah. But if if, if Ajani wasn't just such a a level up for Infect, (laughs) Ivy would have made me think like, is there a way to play the Infect deck without playing Infect creatures? The the answer is you sideboarded True Name Nemesis and you you would never deal with this card uh, otherwise. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it is possible, though, that, like, had, in fact, not already had this space, like, Ivy Gleeful Spell Thief might have been able to spawn a new deck. Possibly. That that, that plays in that kind of, like, one-shot kill you type of, you know, like, that that, bliss, that blazing shoal type thing, you know what I mean? It's it's certainly something to think about, but I wouldn't think about it too hard. Well, no, 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 because we have Infect. <laughs> but, like, if, if yeah. Infect didn't get any upgrades, right, if it was just, I was like, well, Infect has fallen off the face of the earth, maybe Ivy is the way to play that style of deck yep. where you're trying to combo kill in combat with all of the protective effects. And, you know, because if they try and interact with this and you, the same way that if you pump spell to protect it, and then it just doubles the pump spell, like that's fucking nuts, right? Yeah, it's wild. Uh, All right, let's talk about uh, Juria Ageless Innovator. That is uh, a 2-3 for a blue and a red. 
Uh, tap to put two ingenuity counters on her, and then you can put an artifact with mana value equal to X or less, where X is the number of ingenuity counters on her. So from this your hand. is this, yeah, from your hand, from your hand. I, I did that yesterday too. From your hand. So this is interesting in that it like kind of mana cheats and enables stuff, but I'm just not sure where it would go. But it looks like a really interesting card. So I'm gonna put I'm I'm gonna put a pause on this card because obviously this card, if it if you get to untap with it theoretically the goal should be that you win the game on the spot right like you should be building your deck that some combination of cards after you untap with this will just enable you to win the game on the spot that being said and all of the talk about eric virgo that we've done on this cast so far he messaged me the other night and was like he sent me a picture of this card and was like wow the combo potential with this card and then that's it like yeah. like we, we the, the conversation has <laughs> we, we have not Great. continued what that is yet so I'm going to pause on this card for a future episode yeah, of we'll Eric Virgo, where, yep. where he is just going to explain to us the, the specific interaction of this plus X other cards that win on the spot when you untap. Yep. Let's go. All right. Let's let's go all the way down to Karn's Silax. It's a three-mana legendary artifact that enters the battlefield tapped. And it says players can't pay life to cast spells or to activate abilities that aren't mana abilities. And then uh, X and tap... Exile it to destroy each non-land permanent with a mana value of X or less. Activate only as a sorcery. So this so is the, like Pernicious Deed, right? It's Pernicious Deed. It's a colorless Pernicious Deed, um, except it comes in the play tap. So theoretically, if you have enough mana and wanted to activate it at the same turn, you couldn't. The The real payoff to this card is the fact that it's also a prison piece. Players can't yeah. play life or cast uh, to cast spells or activate abilities that aren't mana abilities. That means that it shuts off fetch lands. It shuts off force of will. Like those are relevant things. So yeah. it, it, but it doesn't shut off your ancient tomb because ancient tomb is a mana ability. So Correct. even though you pay life yeah. for it, it's still a mana ability. So it stops. It does stop uh, fetch lands, which is which is. It stops good. fetch lands, and yeah. but the deck, the, the the prison decks that might play something like this aren't playing fetches, right? Yeah. And they're not playing force of will. This just being an additional lock piece that also does what's the 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 stone that blows up everything? Oblivion stone. Oblivion stone. This does a a, a similar thing to oblivion stone for like what you know Tron does in modern this could do for legacy as in that even though this does sweep up your like chalices and shit if you're playing in the space of like i'm trying to play the mud prison deck there are more answers to chalice than there than ever right mm -hmm. and the fact that like if you play this and also have chalice they're probably just locked out anyway because now they don't have fetches they don't have forceful and they're locked out of chalice yeah. so you may not even need to activate it at all but the fact that it has the ability to clean shit up means that like Similar to temporary lockdown, I think this is also going to see play 100%. It's not going to necessarily spawn new archetypes, but it will level up the archetypes that are interested in these kind of prison style effects. Yeah. Um, quick quick thought on weather light completed. Oh, yeah, go ahead. We have, so we have a minute left. We have a minute left. It's a two minute five five flyer that says as long as it's a vehicle. It says as long as weather like completed has four or more phoresis counters on it. It's a phyrexian creature in addition to its other types. Whenever a creature you control dies, put a phoresis counter on weather like completed. Then draw a card if it has seven or more phoresis counters on it, and if it doesn't, scry one. Now, is this card good enough? No, but it is cool for like those decks that we were talking about before, where if you're looking for an engine that relies on sacrificing fodder, this is whenever one a more creature piece of the puzzle, yeah. Whenever a creature you control dies, it doesn't say non-token. Now, granted, the, it, it, a two-mana five-five flyer, you have two-mana eight-eight flyers in this format. Right? Exactly. Which is why I don't yeah. think this. Which is why I don't think this card's going to make it. But it's it, it is cool that it, if you have that an engine going right, like let's say you have. I mean, the thing that came to mind when I first read this card was like, oh, if you have grave crawler and a Frexian altar, and you can you just have essentially you can infinite sack right and infinite storm, but then you need a payoff. That this is a colorless payoff that you know as you do that means that you'll get to draw your deck yeah so like in that regard that's something like that is cool like in a way where if you just have a, a, an engine that can sacrifice creatures ad nauseum that this just becomes two mana draw your deck and that's kind of cool like that's yeah. where i think that this is this is pretty interesting i mean it's not going to do that because you have to sack a creature four times first before it does anything but uh you know still a cool card anyway moving yeah. on all right, uh, I think that's it for us. Uh, we know that there are got to be a couple other gems in here, so uh, comment, uh, you know, comment, hit us up on the Discord, join our Discord. We just updated the link, so the link should be working again. Um, and and that's it. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for watching. You know, like and subscribe. That stuff helps out a ton. Check out Moxfield. Uh, I, I think that's everything. That's everything. That's everything. All right. Later. Peace. Later on. Deuces. Yo, what up? It's Voice of Phil up on the track, and you know. We just keep talking about it. We keep talking about it. Talking about it. So I figured, you know what? 
Let's fucking talk about it. Let's fucking talk about it. We're talking about it. Strap it, because we're talking about it. Looky, 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 what did we just top deck? Expressive iteration, about to create some nonsense. Put the best card in our hand, exile a fetch land. Crack it and stack it and pack it in, let's talk about the bands. Watsy, 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 let us have a little chat. I got an offer, you can't refuse two treasures off the stack. But seriously, consider it and open up the shed. You whip out the band hammer, I will quip a Twitter thread. Expressive iteration gone, what's gonna happen now? Same story as Dreadheart Arcanist, Oko Thief of Crowns. Same thing as Treasure Cruise, Larissa the Dream Dan, Deathrite Shaman, Ren and Six. Why we keep pretending? Burrow lays in wait just to bring upon his wrath. There's a saga building constructs power level, different class. To bury in our set, draw engines and log pieces. How the fuck am I the only player who seems See this. The problem is systemic, it goes back to Innistrad Cheap threats, days, wasteland, that's the problem child The cards I said before, they've all been in Delver But forcing down with Uro and Sagavan, remember? Burnt out on the block? Fucking see what happens The best deck will just adopt the next new best plan of action I don't have all the answers, but what we're doing, it ain't working Can we all at least agree to have a future that's uncertain? Try a sample platter of the format up on Moto Where a different card is banned to collect data to look over You don't even have to share it Transparency is so hard But maybe your next band announcement will hit the correct card Oh, fuck, man I don't, I just don't know Fuck it, just hit the hook, bro Just hit the hook What it do? Look at, look at, look at what it, we just top deck Expressive iteration, about to create some nonsense With the best card in our hand, exile the fetch land Crack it and stack it and pack it in, let's talk about the fans Look at, look at, look at what it, we just top deck Expressive iteration, about to create some nonsense With the best card in our hand, exile the fetch land Crack it and stack it and pack it in, let's talk about the fans